So let's pray together and then we're going to get into the Word. Jesus, we thank You for the opportunity we have now to be together around Your Word. Lord, I pray none of us will take it for granted that we can gather like this in Your house with Your people under Your Word in Your presence, Lord Jesus. So I pray now, speak through me like I believe You've spoken to me, Lord Jesus. We just commit this moment to You and ask that when we leave this place, may we leave more in love with You than when we first came in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder if you've ever noticed that um, bad news seems to travel uh, quicker than good news. Have you ever noticed that? It's amazing how a bad report, it just spreads like wildfire, where, you know, the good, the good reports just seem like just to stop right there. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because as we grow older, we just find things that, you know, find less things to be amazed by. Did you know that a four-year-old person, a four-year-old kid, will laugh up to 400 times a day? Isn't that crazy? I mean, they will also ask about 10,000 questions, but a four-year-old child will laugh up to 400 times a day. An adult will take three months to laugh that many times, which is kind of sad. You know, we just find things that are just less amazing. You know, as you get older, you're like, oh. Interesting. <laughs> um, it's amazing. We were, we were with, you know, new friends in France, and, you know, they were, they, they were still learning English, and so we were kind of teaching them English, and the two words they learned from us, which, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but the two words they learned from us that kept popping up was annoying and interesting. <laughs> you know, we would just sit there, and they would tell a story, and we'd be like, Interesting. I think it's because half of it we didn't understand, so we were just like, oh yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but it's amazing how as we get older, we just find things interesting. And maybe not as amazing. I mean, maybe this is why we are quicker to complain than we are to compliment. We're quicker to complain maybe at home about a colleague or a boss or, or a situation at work than we are to actually compliment. And uh, on a side note, could I encourage those of you that are married, that are, you know, to live with your family, can I encourage you to be quick to tell the good stories as well? Because it's amazing how we go home you know, after work and we go, oh, my boss said this, my boss did that, my colleague did this, and then you go back to work and solve the issue. But then you never tell your home situation, hey, I solved the issue. No, no, you don't share that part. No, the next thing they hear about work is, can you believe what they did today? Meanwhile, at home, your wife is hating your boss because she never hears that you actually solved the issues. He never hears that you actually solved that problem with your colleague just because it is easier for us to share a bad news than it is a good report. And today I want to just speak a simple message that I've called gratitude. It's more than a thank you. Gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. And I want to just talk about three things that gratitude does, how we get it, and why we need it. Is that okay? An attitude of gratitude. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Here we have ten people with leprosy. Ten people with this horrible skin disease that, without going into too many details, but leprosy at this time was a horrible disease that literally your skin would start falling off. If you got it really bad, your limbs would start to fall off. And, you know, it would start out just as a little white patch on your skin. And the moment they saw that, that moment, there would no longer be any human contact in their life. No last hug from their kids. No last kiss from their husband or wife. In that moment, they were isolated. They were shunned from society. They were kicked out of the villages, kicked out of the cities to live in these communities with other people that had leprosy. They would walk through the streets and they would wear a bell and they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean. I mean, it's crazy. You know, so, I mean, can you imagine if we did that with Corona? It's like, well, our new strategy is don't wear a mask. You're now going to have a bell. Unclean! <laughs> that would be fantastic. So here we have 10 lepers who got healed from their leprosy. And it says that they got healed as they did what Jesus said. Listen, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. This is a great understanding in terms of if you've got to understand how the Bible works. You see, we often want God to do this or do this before we believe. But faith walks. Faith acts. And some of you, you, you know what to do in a particular area of your life. You know what God is asking of you in your area of relationship or area of business or area of your finances. You know what God wants you to do. It's amazing how people say, I don't know what God wants me to do. And then you ask them, yeah, but if you did know what God wanted you to do, what would that be? Well, if I did know what God wanted me to do, I think he would want me to do this. You know, we, we kind of know what God is asking of us in a particular area of our lives, but we're waiting on him. When the truth is, God is waiting on you. There are some miracles in life that are motion activated. There are some miracles in life that has a motion sensor attached to it, that he, God is waiting for some action from you. God is waiting for some movement from you. God is waiting for you to take the first step. And as you move, he moves. As you draw near, he draws near. And so it says, as they went, as they walked, and as they walked out what Jesus said, then they were healed. And then it says, one. Out of the 10 healed people, one returned to say thank you. Few things we learn about gratitude. Number one, gratitude remembers. Gratitude remembers. Man, we live in a world where we love pointing out the self-made people. Have you noticed that? Come and listen to this guy talk, he's self-made. Listen to this millionaire, he's a self-made millionaire. This guy is a, this woman is a self-made success. This person is self-made. I'm like, if I told my mom I was self-made, she would knock me back to the past century. I'm like, yeah, you definitely, with that big head, you were not self-made. <laughs> you know, you were not self-made. Self-made people are just people who are suffering from relational amnesia. 
Self-made just means you are suffering from relational amnesia because at some point someone helped you. At some point, someone opened a door for you. At some point, someone taught you to read. At some point, someone put clothes on your back. At some point, someone put food on the table. And when we start highlighting, I was self-made and I did this all myself, you have got relational amnesia because gratitude remembers. Gratitude remembers. And this man remembered Jesus. The second thing gratitude does, gratitude acts. Gratitude, it takes action. Imagine if we could just be known for being grateful. Wouldn't that be, I mean, that, I, I sometimes think like, well, I wonder what, how people describe me. Well, sometimes I do know how they describe me, and it's not very nice. But, you know, I wonder if you could just, imagine being known for just being a grateful person. It's like that person is just grateful. And then you, it's easy to think, yeah, yeah, but people know I'm grateful. Do they? Yeah, 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 they know I'm grateful. I, I think it all the time. Oh, I mean, okay then. I mean, everybody knows then. You know, imagine just being known for being grateful. And why is it such a big deal just to go the extra mile to say thank you? Just to go a little bit overboard just to be grateful. To, to call your mom or your dad just one more time and say, hey, thank you. You know, after having kids, my gratitude for my parents is growing. <laughs> I'm like, thank you for not strangling me. You know, amazing. You know, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for putting a roof over my head. Thank you. You know, thank you to your boss. Thank you to your colleagues. Thank you to your friends. Thank you to those people who have stood with you over the years. Just showing honor where honor is due. Gratitude acts. And the third and last thing that gratitude does, gratitude sees. Gratitude sees. Have you ever found yourself complaining about something that you don't have? Anyone? Okay, three honest people in church today. Have you ever found yourself complaining about something you don't have? Okay, thank you. You know, I wish I had that, and I wish I had more of that. I wish I had most of that. I, I, I wish I looked like this, and I wish I had this in my income, and I wish I had that kind of house or that kind of car or that kind of person in my life. I wish, I wish, I wish. And you start comparing yourself with something else, but comparison is a killer of gratitude. Comparison is a killer of gratitude. It's a killer of joy. Proverbs 22.9 it says that he who has a generous eye will be blessed. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Often we think about generosity as, you know, the act of giving, the act of doing something. But the Bible says generosity is also a way of seeing. It's a way of seeing. It's the same with gratitude. Gratitude is not just you saying thank you. Gratitude is not just having gratitude in terms of an action. Gratitude is also a way of seeing. You are looking for things to be grateful for. You are looking for things that, that you can just show gratitude for. It is amazing how you find what you're looking for. It is amazing how you suddenly find the things you are looking for. And gratitude turns what we have into enough. Can I say that again? Gratitude, it turns what we have into enough. Don't let anyone steal your gratitude. 
Don't let anyone take your gratitude away. You say, man, I just love my car. And someone goes, yeah, but isn't it a little bit old? Or isn't it? No, no, no. This is my car. It's paid off. You know, this is my house. This is my apartment. Isn't it a bit small? Isn't it in a bit? Do you really like living in this area? You know, really? You really like this? You know, don't let anyone steal your gratitude. Have an eye of gratitude. Have an eye where you start looking for things to be grateful for. And it's amazing how you train your eye. It's amazing how when you get an eye for looking for certain things, that suddenly you see it everywhere. You start by with the big things like, I'm just grateful that I got air. I can breathe. I'm just grateful I got food. I'm grateful I got clothes. I'm grateful I have friends. I'm gr-. And you start looking for things to be grateful for. I, I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you to start making a list. Just start making a list every day. Write a few things down. Things that you are grateful for. So that when the comparison tries to steal your joy, when comparison tries to kill your gratitude, that you can just open your list and go, oh, that is right. I am grateful for this and this and this and that. I'm grateful for my church and I'm, I'm grateful for, for the grace of God and I'm grateful for the bad times that God, He was there for me and I'm grateful for this friend that gave me this piece of advice and I'm grateful for this friend who told me to go home when I was about to stay out later. I'm grateful for this guy who gave me this piece of encouragement. I'm grateful for this person I'm grateful for my teacher that taught me how to do this. And I'm grateful for this person that told me I could be better than that. I'm grateful for these people. Gratitude, it is a way of seeing. It is a way of seeing. It made me stronger. So how do we develop gratitude? Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens iron. Another. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together unless they agree to do so? It's a rhetorical question. It means, that, of course, you have to agree. If you're walking with someone in step, in the same speed, in the same direction, you are agreeing on something. You're agreeing on the mode of transport. You're agreeing on the direction. You're agreeing on the estimated time of arrival. There's certain things you agree on. The people in your world, they're in your world because you agree on something with them. It's like, no, 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 they just happen to be there. Nope, there is a point of agreement. There is a point of agreement with the people in your world. The challenge is this. See, all of us, we are the subtotal of the voices in our life. All of us. We are the subtotal of the voices in our lives. So the voices that we let into our life, the challenge is this, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We think, oh, the voices I have, I have this person, I have that person. And we point out the ideal situation. But let me ask you, when was the last time you actually spoke to those people? Because the real voices in your life are found on your frequent call list. Your real voices are found in who you follow. The real voices is the most played podcast. The real voices, that's the real voices in your life. So what are the voices in your life? Because you are the result of the voices that you let form and shape you. You are the subtotal of the voices in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Do not be misled. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good 
character. Now, this doesn't mean that you just call every person that doesn't agree with everything good in your life and say, that's it, you're out. Why? You're bad influence, you're bad voice, and I'm the subtotal of all the voices in my life, and you're not a good voice in my life. I, I can't need your voice. I'm shutting you out. Bye. You know, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. But you can choose to limit that voice in your life. We said it before, just because you went to Barnahill together doesn't mean you have to, you know, do life together 20 years later. You can choose who you let into your world. I wonder what you agree with the people in your life about. You know, it might be something innocent. It might be we both go to the same gym or we both work in the same place or we both go to the same school. That's why we kind of in each other's world. It might also be some bad stuff. It might be we both have attitude. We both have bad habits. We both hate men. We both hate women. We both hate whatever. We both have hurt. And we, we agree on that. And that is what we built our friendship on. I mean, it, there could be a million different things. I mean, it's crazy to think. The Bible says, side note, but the Bible says around the crucifixion of Jesus that Herod and Pilate used to be enemies. They're two rulers in Israel. And one handed over Jesus to the other so that they could crucify him. And the Bible says from that moment on, they became friends. Isn't that crazy? Their friendship was based and built upon the execution of Jesus. Your friendship can be built on the wrong thing. So what do you agree on? Because you can also agree on positive things. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be a great spouse. I want to be a great parent. I want to be a great child. I want to be a great brother or sister. I want to, be, I want to just be a great follower of Jesus. I want to just be the best version of myself. I want to be successful in the area of my you know, profession. Whatever it is, what have you based your friendships on? This, these lepers, they acted like a group. They met Jesus as a group. And somehow, you know, they got healed together, they came together, but only one came back. Why is that? There was 10 people that got healed. How come only one came back? In English, there's a proverb that says, birds of a feather flock together. In Danish, we would say, Lieber and Liebest. You know, and we're so quick finding people in the same season of our lives for better and for worse. Have you ever noticed that? You walk into a party, lots of people, and you immediately find the one person has the same issue as you. <laughs> you know, you go into a church, and immediately you find the one person that also thinks the music is too loud. <laughs> it's amazing how we just have these radars out, and we find people with the same stuff that is going on in our lives. So how come the other nine didn't come back to Jesus as well? Maybe they thought, well, Jesus knows we're grateful. He knows everything. He's the son of God. He would know. He can read thoughts. Maybe the guy who went back, maybe it turns out that he was isolated in more than one way. They were isolated as a group because they were all lepers. But the Bible gives us a little more of an insight into this man. He was a Samaritan. At this point in history, Samaritans were considered subhuman. They were, they were, they were shunned by society. There was an attitude towards Samaritans. They didn't even consider them humans. And so not only were the 10 isolated from society, within the 10, this one was potentially isolated from the nine. Maybe this guy wasn't just rejected by man, by people, but he rejected by the community that he was part of. Maybe this is the key of why he came back. 
Because Jesus, he says somewhere else in the gospel, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Maybe the nine, they were Jewish and they felt entitled to their healing. Hey, we're Jewish, we, we deserve to be healed. We, we're God's people. Hey, well, of course we're going to get healed. Of course Jesus will heal us. Maybe they thought they were owed healing. Who knows? But this man, he definitely wouldn't have felt entitled for anything. I mean, the moment he experienced his skin healing up, the moment he saw limbs growing out, the moment he saw that white, chalky, dusty skin turn into his normal skin color, whatever it was, the moment he saw the healing spread in his body, he would have known this I did not deserve. And he turned around and found Jesus. We can so easily look at our past, whether it's mistakes or things that we have done and or have been done to think that has been done to us and think that it disqualifies us if anything it ought to deepen our gratitude it oughtn't to deepen our gratitude because why is gratitude so important gratitude is important because gratitude acknowledges the source of your blessing gratitude acknowledges the source of your blessing I want to say that again. Gratitude acknowledges the source of your blessing. Ten lepers were healed. Ten lepers were healed physically, but only one was made whole. Only one. And this is the same word. Whole was the same word that we use in the rest of the gospel for salvation. Ten ten were healed, but only one found salvation. Healing and different are two different things. Just ask Lazarus. He was called out of the grave. He was healed, but he was still bound up. He had to be set free. And you can have a healthy body, but a sick soul. You can have a healthy finances and an empty home. Healing and salvation. Healing and wholeness. It is two different things. What was the key? Gratitude. Gratitude. He remembered Jesus, he acknowledged who Jesus really was, and that faith made him whole. Gratitude is not just about having good manners. Gratitude is not just saying please and thank you. Gratitude is about acknowledging the source of your blessing. That's why I hate it when people just say thanks instead of thank you. They're like, thanks. You know, when you, say, you know, here you go, thanks. It's like kind of like, you know, like a shotgun thank you. Like it's like it could hit anyone. Thanks. It just sounds like verbal diarrhea, doesn't it? It's like, thanks. It's like projectile. You know, anyone can take it. You know, th- nah, thanks. It's like, here you go, child. You know, here we go. You know, you give something someone. Thanks. It's like, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm acknowledging the source of my blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am acknowledging the source of my blessing. I'm not just thanking the universe. Thanks. I'm not just thanking good energy. Thanks. I'm not just thanking vibes and light and whatever else is flowing through the universe. Thanks. No, I'm thanking and I'm acknowledging the source of my blessing. Thank you. Thank Thank you for this. Thank you. Gratitude remembers. Gratitude acknowledges the source of your blessing. Thanks. 
You can feel grateful for your blessings. I'm sure all 10 felt grateful. Oh, they felt grateful. But have you directed the source? Have you directed that gratefulness to the source? Have you, have you taken a moment? That's what worship does. That's what worship does. When we start a service with worship, we just, man, I'm just, I'm more than grateful. I want to say, I want to take a moment and thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If it wasn't for you and your faithfulness, thank you I've never walked alone. Thank you that you've been there in the good times and the bad times. Thank you. Not just thanks. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank people along the journey. Thank, thank the kids workers as you're going out there and picking up your children and you have been able to sit in a service and hear the word of God and out there. We don't just walk past and grab our kids. Thanks, you know. No, we look them in the eyes. We see the pain in their soul. No, we don't. Jeez. <laughs> no, but thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to be here. Thank you. Thank the people that opened the doors. Thank the people that made the coffee. Thank the people that get up early. Thank the people that prepare and rehearse and get ready. And we can sit here and we can say, music is loud. Yeah, but could we just thank them as well? <laughs> Go up to the sound guy and say, thank you, Matthias. Thank you. And the rest of you. Thanks. In the other locations, thank you. Thank them. Direct your gratitude. If I could get the team to come and join us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you walking in the back? Cool. Thank you. I'm out. Thanks. See, when it comes to God, when it comes to your relationship with God, we can so often think that we have to, you know, we need to be accepted or do right or even be right to even be allowed into God's presence. I was talking to some friends this week about the difference between religion and just having a relationship with God. And I'm so sad when people get caught up in religion. I really am. And I'm sad because you're caught in this moment of striving and often it results in a constant and perpetual state of feeling ashamed and guilty. Because the problem with religion is that you never know when you've done enough good to outweigh bad. Like, have I done enough good? And you start thinking about your life, you're like, man, I've done some really bad stuff. <laughs> and then you start thinking, man, some of those bad stuff, they must weigh heavier than some of this good stuff. <laughs> and you go, what's the ratio? Is it like one for one? Is it two for one? Is it like this is a really good thing, so that takes care of like that month? It's sad because there's never that what we would call assurance of salvation. But the Bible doesn't say that in order to get accepted by God, in order to step into his presence, you have to do a whole bunch of stuff. Now listen to what it says. Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter with the password Thanks. No. Answer with the password. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Enter his presence with the password. Thank you. Make yourself at home. Talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty. All generous in love. Loyal. Always. And forever. The password. We enter his presence with thanksgiving.
The password is thank you. Why? Because I'm acknowledging Him. I'm acknowledging Him. You see, we don't have to do anything. Jesus, He did it. Jesus did it. So if you can picture this, this table is Jesus. Sorry, there's like a billion jokes going in my head, but I'm not going to say a single one of them because it's a serious moment. But this, this table is Jesus. Jesus, He did everything we needed. He lived the perfect life. He lived a sinless life. So salvation was poured onto Him. Now, all I have to do is believe in what Jesus, He did. I believe Him and by believing Him, I get access to everything that's on Him. It now comes onto me. I now enter salvation. I now enter His blessing. I now enter favor. I now enter grace. I now enter mercy. I now enter joy. I now enter peace that goes beyond all understanding. Not because of what I've done, but simply by believing what He has done. So how do I enter His presence? Thank you. I acknowledge what He's done. That's my act of faith. Thank you. Not, I did this. Not, look how good I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you have done. Could we just close our eyes? Just take a moment. We just got a few minutes left in this service. But I would love just to pray for anyone here that you don't know Jesus like this. Maybe you're caught up in the religious part. Maybe you being here today, maybe you're curious. Maybe you're like, maybe there is something about this. And really when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to faith for you, it's just been this religious thing. You're striving. Maybe even you being here today is one of your good deeds that you're trying to outdo some bad stuff. Maybe you being here today, you think, well, since I'm here, Man, this counts for something. Maybe this will outweigh what I did last night, what I did last year. It's not about that. It's not about that. You can go to church your whole life and never become a Christian. At some point, you've got to acknowledge Jesus and say thank you to Him. And so I want to just count to three. And when I get to three, I want every person wants to say yes to Jesus who wants to acknowledge Jesus, who wants to say thank you to Jesus. When I say three, just to lift your hand, just high enough and long enough for me to see it, so I know who I'm praying for. And then we're gonna pray together and we're gonna believe that together we're gonna enter in to everything Jesus, He has done for us. You ready? One, don't let this moment slip by. Don't put it off to a moment you're not guaranteed you have. We have right here and right now. Two, I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Do you know Jesus? I'm not saying go out, become perfect, come in, and then He will love you. No, He already loves you. The Bible calls it unconditional love. That means there's nothing you can do that makes Him love you more or less. He just loves you. So when I say three, I want every person wants to say yes for the first time, or today you're coming back to Him. When I say three, just lift your hand. You ready? On three. Three, just lift your hands all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's awesome, thank you. Thank you up there. Anyone else here today in other locations? Thank you, that's brilliant. 
in other locations, you're saying, man, I, I need Jesus. I've walked away or I've never, never had anyone talk to me about Jesus like this before. And today I, I want Jesus like that. I want to acknowledge what He has done in my life. Anyone else here today? It's awesome. So good. So good. Olba, Ohus, Malmö. Fantastic. You can put your hands down. That's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer. I'm just going to say a prayer just line for line. I want to ask everyone to repeat it, but especially those of you who lifted your hand. But we're all going to repeat it because we're family. We're in this together. So come on, just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry sorry. for my mistakes mistakes. and my sin. sin. But today, today, I choose you. I I make you my Lord and Savior. And from today, today, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus. I I am forgiven. And I am free. free. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen.